Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Join me as we conclude our search for the first non-indigenous explorers to reach North America in this special Backtrack miniseries. Let's elaborate on a topic briefly mentioned in one of our earliest episodes, involving an intriguing theory about a Chinese fleet arriving in North America in 1421. Laszlo Montgomery of the China History Podcast shares with us his views on this fascinating theory. The seven voyages of Admiral Zheng He that took place between 1405 and 1433. This seventh and final voyage, Zheng He's swan song, was going to be grand in scale. 300 ships, 27,500 men. Zheng He knew this was going to be his last voyage to sea, and he might not make it back. He was only 62 years old, but in the 1400s, that was already considered quite old. Zheng He had two steles engraved. One he set up at Liuqia Harbor, where all of his journeys had begun, and the other was placed in the major trading port of Changle in Fujian province. Zheng He also left an account of his travels that he wrote in 1431, but like almost everything that bears official witness to these travels, it didn't survive except in bits and pieces. The inscriptions on the two steles he left behind before he departed on the final voyage serve as primary sources that describe where and why these treasure fleets travel to these faraway places. There are also primary sources that give detailed lists of gifts that were exchanged and from whom. You can learn a lot from this. There were three accounts, well, at least three, that give first-hand observations made during these various voyages. As for the other book, 1434, Gavin Menzies says, an astronomer from Florence, Paolo de Toscanelli, had sent to Christopher Columbus two letters and a map that essentially serves as the playbook on how to take a shortcut to India by crossing the Atlantic. Toscanelli claims he got all this information from a visiting Chinese envoy in Venice. So the deal with Gavin Menzies' second book, and I won't dwell on it as much as the more famous first effort, is that Chinese from Zheng He's fleet sailed to Venice, Florence, and the Papal States, and brought all these maps, all these works of intellectual pursuits by Chinese scientists and inventors, and handed them off to their counterparts there and you guessed it, this veritable gold mine of information brought to Europe by the Chinese provided the spark that filled in a lot of missing blanks that led to a spike in the knowledge pool in southern Europe. Now, to do this, the treasure fleet of Zheng He, rather than taking the long way, sailing around the Cape of Good Hope, they passed through a certain canal that linked the Red Sea with the Nile River. Like everything else associated with Gavin Menzies' books about Zheng He, you can get asphyxiated by all the smoke present. But alas, no fire. Not anywhere. Just a bunch of conclusions made on arguable data. The existence of this Red Sea, Nile, River Canal is strongly denied by scientists lined up on the other side of Gavin Menzies. By the way, Menzies maintains that Zheng He did not visit Hormuz. That Hormuz was a nothing place back in that time, and that where the fleet actually went was to Cairo, one of the Muslim world's greatest centers of learning, not to mention a great center for the trade in perfumes, spices, and gold. And it wasn't just that China transferred all this knowledge to the West. It was the timing that mattered. Europe was now emerging from the Dark Ages. 
1517, when Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg, isn't too far away. The whole of Europe is on the cusp of great things when this incredible volume of knowledge from the Far East was hand-delivered to Italian scholars and officials. So that's the main premise for the second book, that it was the knowledge transferred from the Chinese during the seventh voyage of Zheng He that left Nanjing, January 19, 1431, that greased the skids, that allowed the breakthrough, that led to the Italian Renaissance. Nan board one of these vessels were all 50 million characters of the Yongle Da Dian, the Yongle Encyclopedia, the greatest compendium of human knowledge ever assembled to date. In this great work, of which very little survives to this day, contained the entirety of everything the Chinese had figured out in the past 2,000 years. Handing off the Yongle Encyclopedia to the Venetians probably would have been all that was necessary to light the rocket underneath the European Renaissance. Besides this, Zheng He's ambassadors brought nautical charts, maps, and navigational tools that allowed European scientists, naturalists, and explorers to take a great leap forward in their accumulation of knowledge. On this trip, the matter of figuring out longitude was perfected. Remember, it was Admiral Yang Qing who made the initial studies and provided a base to work from. So Menzies maintains unequivocally that Zheng He's navigators had been able to calculate latitude within 30 miles and longitude to within 30 degrees. Armed with this kind of knowledge, what Columbus achieved was not nearly as incredible as if he didn't have him. Now this time it's Admiral Hongbao who gets the orders from Zheng He, who is already at the end of his life. Rather than dying in Calicut, Menzies suggests that around 1433, Zheng He vanished, and in fact sailed on to North America and settled somewhere in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, home of the Vanderbilt Mansion. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Sometime in 1433, Zheng He was ailing from some unknown chronic illness. He couldn't go on with the rest of the fleet and stayed in Calicut, where he died. The voyage back to China would take three months, so taking his body back was out of the question. Therefore, Zheng He was buried at sea near Calicut with full honors. Some say this ceremony took place near Semarang between Jakarta and Surabaya on the island of Java. An elaborate tomb was built on the southern outskirts of Nanjing near Bull's Head Hill or Niushou. Inside this tomb is a lock from Zheng He's braid and a pair of his shoes. July 1433, the treasure fleet returns to China, and needless to say, the Xin, the emperor's hopes and aspirations to revive the golden age of the tribute system and to have China project the power that it once did under the Yongle emperor, this didn't materialize. He himself died in early 1435. 
And with the passing of the Xuanda emperor, that spelled the end of these voyages, as no Ming dynasty emperor would champion these kinds of diplomatic missions. This is a tough decision. Back in the Ming dynasty, they had to ask themselves if they should fund these outlandishly expensive projects. What was the benefit? Well, each of the seven voyages of Zheng He cost as much as half the annual taxation revenue for the whole country. They were horrifically expensive, and it's hard to say whether the Ming dynasty or China benefited or not from the voyages. Whatever the case, the port culls came crashing down, and with the Yongle emperor gone, Zheng He gone, there wasn't anyone around to champion such ventures. The wind was blowing hard into the sails of the Confucian elites who found no merit in these treasure fleets and looked at the whole thing as a preposterous waste of state money. In fact, so horrible and ruinous to the state did they see these seven voyages of Zheng He that all official records that would have given us a clear and accurate picture of everything that happened with wherever Zheng He went were famously destroyed. Nothing exists other than the steles and monuments Zheng He left behind and whatever Ma Huan, Fei Xin, and others left us with. It's slim pickings indeed. If only the official records hadn't been destroyed, Well, they were destroyed or just went underground and haven't resurfaced yet. Time will tell. Not having any of these official primary source documents really hampers our efforts to know more about the exact details concerning China's role in the region. And in the case of Gavin Menzies' two books, we can't know for sure about any other worlds that may have been visited by the fleet between 1421 and 1434. And the way things panned out in China, the whole age of unfettered regional trade between all points between Nanjing and East Africa just petered out. And from about the 1550s onward, China began their long period of isolation, right at the exact moment that things were just starting to take off in Europe. As China was winding things down, Prince Henry the Navigator was just getting started. 1488, Bartholomew Diaz rounded the Cape of Good Hope. 1492 came Columbus. Then in 1493, Pope Alexander VI splits the world up into two parts. And before China could say anything, half the world belonged to Spain and the other half to Portugal, on paper at least. 1498, Vasco da Gama went further than Diaz. 1513 comes Balboa and the discovery of the Pacific, as well as Ponce de Leon and Florida and Puerto Rico. 1519, Magellan begins his attempt to circumnavigate the world. 1527, Cortez goes dancing across the water with his galleons and guns. And while all of this is unfolding, China is no longer in the game. Their sights are facing inward and also to the west. The age-old problems of yore were still giving the same headaches that had troubled the Han Chinese since the time of the Zhou Kings. In order to keep these guys out of China proper, the Great Wall will be put back into working order until it just becomes another Maginot line. The ruins we see today of the Great Wall are mostly all from the time of the Ming Dynasty renovations. These came much later after Zheng He. We all know what happens. Zheng He goes and primes the pump and gets everything nice and ripe for the Portuguese and later the Dutch to just go in and plunder these places along the Western Ocean and the Spice Islands. And although there were some minor battles where Zheng He went in and took sides against one king or sultan over another, the record clearly shows, and today China boasts about this, they always came in peace. They didn't go in like the Portuguese who left a legacy of war and colonialism in its wake. 
later replaced famously by the British in the late 18th and 19th centuries, based on the historical record, no one could point any fingers at China for being an aggressor. Talk about with great power comes great responsibility. China at one time, during this period of the early Ming Dynasty, when everything was so perfect and China enjoyed economic, cultural, and military might that was at the time unsurpassed in all the world. And they used this might peacefully to promote China's name and splendor. And no matter whether the Yongle Emperor did this for China's glory or for his own, either way, it made a memorable impression and caused a very noticeable ripple that led to the advancement of mankind. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. Join me next time as we resume our regular series narrative. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text history that's H I S T O R Y using the code 30605.